This episode of the Derek Diamond Experience is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Derek, 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 Diamond, 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 Diamond. Experience! Welcome everyone to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, and coming up on today's show, you'll be hearing my conversation with pro wrestler, podcaster, and gamer, Mr. Joey Image, and we talk about Joey's recent back surgery and how he's recovering from that, how he got started in the wrestling business, the lost art of being a true heel or a villain in the wrestling business, which is something that we both share the same opinion on, and I I loved our conversation about it. We also talk about his podcast, as well as our mutual love of retro gaming. So if you love all those things, you should definitely enjoy today's episode. And I'll say in closing, uh, at the tail end of the show, I will be making a couple of announcements regarding uh, some upcoming episodes, as well as just the future of this podcast. So stay tuned to the end of the show for that. But without further ado, here is my conversation with Mr. Joey Image. Sitting here with my very special guest this week, pro wrestler, podcaster, and gamer, Mr. Joey Image. Joey, how are you, sir? How are you? How are you doing, buddy? Doing good, doing good. Uh, we had to fight a little bit of technology issues to to get this started, which is for those who podcast, you know, it's it's kind of the it's kind of the norm. Unfortunately, is you have to fight some type of technical issue. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm sometimes baffled how like. Uh... Skype is still so uh, not great after after being around for so many years. You would think that some podcaster or some type of developer would just sit down and say, okay, I'm going to come up with a better version of Skype. Right. Yeah, I'm going to rewrite this or something. Yeah, but somehow that has not happened yet. But uh, we were talking a little bit um, off air. You had back surgery uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, was was that due to like your your wrestling career? I would assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wrestling related. Um, I had I had this surgery in 2014, uh, April of 2014, and there was issues with the left side of my back slash spine, and I knew somewhere down the line I was gonna have to have the right side fixed. So I just I didn't know when. Like at the time, my doctor was like, you know, I don't want to mess with anything else. Because nothing else is bothering me, so he fixed what was wrong with the discs on the left side, and uh, didn't want to mess with anything because it wasn't bothering me at the time. But we knew somewhere down the line it was going to start bothering me on the right side, and that would have to be fixed. So that happened to be three years later, which is now. So uh, I had the surgery about six weeks ago, maybe, and um, doing a lot better. But um, it is it was a wrestling related injury, mostly just wear and tear. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there were some complications with this surgery. The first one went fine. Um, there were some complications with this one, but it's all been worked out and everything's good now. It just still needs a few weeks to heal up. And, uh, there's a huge lump on my lower back where the incision is, which is all scar tissue underneath. 
that needs another another little while to heal up, but uh, I'll be all right eventually in a couple months, hopefully. So you, how often do you do physical therapy? Like a couple of times a week? Yeah, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Oh, uh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, it's I, I can I've never had like a back injury like that, but I, I can I can only imagine because you know, back and neck are like they're some of the more delicate areas that you can have surgery on. Yeah, both of the both of the uh, areas that I damaged actually. <laughs> <laughs> I never got I never got the neck surgery because my spine uh, ended up being worse. But I actually the first time that I had the spinal surgery, I actually had an appointment to set up the date or to set the date for my neck surgery because I had broke my neck like way the end of 2013 uh, or sorry, the end of 2012, early 2013. So uh, I actually had an appointment set to go to my doctor and set the date for the neck surgery. And when I got there, he said, well, I looked at the, you know, the other x-rays and MRIs that we did. And uh, he said, your spine is a lot worse. So the neck's going to have to wait. And I still haven't done anything with my neck. It's, it's, it's obviously, it's been three years, uh, three and a half years for that. So it's, it's healed on its own as much as it can, I guess, up to this point. But um, my doctor still thinks I should get it fixed, like the right way, surgically or whatever. Um, so maybe sometime after the new year I might look into getting that done. Yeah. But, but I mean, I just like I said, I just had this, this, uh, this double spinal like six weeks ago, so I'm okay for a little while. I, I can imagine. Yeah. Now, now you you were a pro wrestler, uh, so I yes. did. Did you did you grow up a wrestling fan like as a kid? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, my brother watched it a lot when he was when he was younger, and he's much older than I am. So it was always you know I, I had to watch it. My brother wanted to watch at home, and he had wrestling on. Plus, he had like the old school magazines. That in fact, they weren't even in color yet. He's got magazines that are all in black and white. Uh, he used to he used to take the the, the black and white magazines and cut the pictures of wrestlers out of them and like paste them into this notepad he had and then write his own captions as if he was writing his own magazine. <laughs> <laughs> so I used to always look at that and I would just watch whatever he put on and I, it, I just kind of got hooked on it. So like what, what era was it that you started watching? Was it like the late eighties, early nineties? Um, I started watching early to mid eighties. Uh, I, I'm 40 years old, so I was I was born June 2nd, 1977. So from like 1980 on is kind of when I started watching. Uh, again, I mean, I just watched whatever my brother put on it. You know, I wasn't coherent really about names or, or things like that back then. I just know my my brother liked to watch these guys beat each other up, and I thought it was cool. As you got a little bit older, what was it that made you think, oh, maybe I'd want to do this as a career? I, I never uh, like I, I always thought it would it looked cool. I never actually thought about like when I was when I was super young, just starting to watch uh, the first few years that I watched wrestling. I'd, I never thought like, oh, that would be cool to do that. I always thought like, wow, these guys are killing each other. Like, I don't want to get involved in that. Like, you know, like I I would not want to be hit with some of these moves. And then uh, I don't know. I just got I, I just kind of kept watching and. Uh, there were I remember like two moments that made me want to do this, but I don't remember how that even that thought process even came about in the first place. What were the two moments? Uh, all right, one of them was I went to a live show in 1987. Uh, I was 10 years old. It was I think it was the first live show I ever went to. My brother took me to a a, a house show, a WWF house show in um, 
uh, Rockland County Community College in Rockland County, New York. And um, it, I, there was a tag team match, the British Bulldogs against the Islanders, which was um, Haku and, and uh, Tama, or the, or the Tonga Kid, he went by both names. So at one point, in the the, the Islanders were the, were the bad guys or the heels. So at one point in the match, some kid, a kid like sitting in my section, like stood up on his chair and yelled at, um, yelled at the Tonga kid, like you suck or or you know whatever you guys suck or whatever he said. I don't I don't really remember, but I remember Tonga kid turned around to the kid and screamed. I, I don't know if we can swear on the show. Yeah, you can. Okay, so Tonga kid turned around and just screamed, "Shut your goddamn mouth!" <laughs> and, and this kid instantly started crying. I, I was ten years old. And this kid instantly started crying, and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. That like he 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 made this kid cry just by yelling at him. I was like amazed. Um, and then also in 1987, uh, WrestleMania three, there was a Harley Race against Junkyard Dog match that ended with Junkyard Dog giving Harley Race a chair shot uh, to the head. And that chair shot was another thing that I saw that, and I was like, I want to do that to people. That looks cool. So. So I guess I guess uh, I mean that was WrestleMania took place before my birthday, so I hadn't yet turned ten. So I was about nine years old, little little uh, before I turned ten years old is when I first started wanting to do this. That the show where the kid started crying was later in the year. I think it was like September October. So that year '87, like that wrestling wise, had a big impact on on my future. You know, years later. And it's funny you mentioned that whole story about the Tonga kid yelling at the the other kid because you you don't see that today anymore. No, unfortunately. And when you do, there's a I, I did a, I did a radio interview this morning for a, a radio station here in New Jersey, and uh, we 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 talked about this and the fact that when you do see stuff like that nowadays, a kid gets upset or a parent gets upset. Normally it's with a kid, but you see, like the guy will break character, like during the commercial break or off, you know, off camera. The camera's focusing on something else, and you know, the guy will go over there and like console the kid now, and and you know, give him a hug and and give him a free T-shirt or whatever to make him stop crying. Like, like well, I don't want the kid to stop crying. That's my job. Yeah. Like I've made a kid cry before, and uh, it, it's like that's the point. Yeah, you're you're playing a villain. That's what you're supposed exactly. to do. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I'll, I'll actually I'll, I'll tell you that story uh, as briefly as I can. Uh, in 2004, I worked for a company in Pennsylvania called World Star Wrestling, and I was a bad guy, a heel. Um, I was the cruiserweight champion at the time. So during the intermission, I would walk around with my title belt because it would, you know, it's it's shiny, it's big, it's gold, it's cool. It would bring attention. So. At one particular show, a uh, kid asked me for an autograph during intermission. I was on my way from the dressing room to the, the refreshment stand, uh, and a kid asked me for an autograph, and I just looked at him and said, get lost, kid, or get the hell out of here, kid, or whatever I said. Uh, I, I I didn't swear because I don't do that in front of, like I don't say F or whatever in front of kids, but I said something like, get lost, kid, or you know, get out of here, or whatever. And uh, the kid ran away crying. <laughs> it's still funny to me. The, the kid ran away crying. Um, this is now 13 years ago. That kid's probably like, that prick, I know who that guy was. But um, So he ran away crying. So I, I, I you know, continued to wherever I was going, got my soda, and went in the back again. 
So later on, uh, almost towards the end of the show, one of the guys that ran that company came to, to the locker room and said, uh, I need everybody's attention. Apparently, some kid asked somebody for an autograph earlier and got yelled at, and the kid ran away crying, and now the parents don't want to come back next month. Uh, and if they do, they're not going to uh, – I forget what the deal was. They're, they're not uh, – they want – oh, that's it. They they want they don't want to come back next month, and if they do, they demand that uh, free tickets. Um, you know, their son was made to cry, and they just came here to have a good time, and blah blah blah. So I stood right up. I raised my hand. I'm like, "Yo, that was me." And uh, the guy was like, "What do you mean?" I said, "I'm the one that made him cry. Like it's me. I made him cry." So the the so the guy's like, "Well, I need the whole roster now to go out there and apologize to this kid." And I'm like, "I'm not going to apologize to this kid. Are you, why would I do that?" And he was like, you know, well, well, why would you make him cry? I'm like, dude, because I'm a bad guy. That's the whole point. It's your he's job. Not su- yeah, he's not supposed to like me. I'm. That's my job. Like, if I go out there and he, and he that kid doesn't like me, then I've won. Like, that's we've won. That's the point. And they were like, no, nah, we need to have we need everyone to go out there and apologize. So everyone except for me went out and apologized, and I refused. I stayed in the locker room and didn't go out there for the rest of the show until my, you know, until my match. And then when that was over, I waited for the final match to end and then left. Um, but like that's the whole, you know, like you said, that's part of the job. Yeah, you know, and it's it's really a lost art as far as being like an actual wrestling villain because your your story reminds me of a story that happened. It was either last year or two years ago with uh, Kevin Owens. In the WWE, he walked by this kid after his match who was, like, on the guardrail, and he was wearing a Roman Reigns shirt. Oh, I heard about this. Yeah, and the and Owens, you know, told the kid, you know, he's like, no, you should be wearing my shirt. Actually, you know what? Since you're a Roman fan, I don't want you to wear my shirt, and don't That's touch right. me. And then, I remember, I and remember then, about that. And then walked away. And his, I guess it was his mom filmed the whole thing on her cell phone, and she posted this long rant about how much of a douchebag yep. Kevin Kevin Owens was. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, he's supposed to be a douchebag. He's actually right. being a villain. But then, I, I, it's weird because you know, like the video like cut off in a weird <laughs> way. Is like the kid probably was just laughing about it. I mean, if I were yeah. a kid, I would have geeked out at getting yelled at by Kevin Owens. There's there was uh, there was other heat on Kevin Owens last week for the same thing, because he told some old man you're probably gonna die in five, in like five years. There there was a video that someone took on a cell phone from a little bit further behind where the guy was standing. But this there was some super look super old looking guy, and uh, and Owens was doing a, was in the ring talking, and then uh, he addressed the guy as some I forgot what the guy said, but he was he heckled him in some way, and Kevin Owens is like. You better relax. You're probably going to be dead in like five years. Oh, that's and he, too and good. he went, but he said it like so nonchalant. Like he didn't, he didn't pause and make that like the only sentence and then stop and let it sink in. He just said it and kept right on talking, like like as if it was nothing. And there was a whole bunch of, there was heat online about it, and there was articles written about it. And like the the thing that I saw on Facebook that absolutely baffled me was somebody asked a question saying. Does being a heel entitle you to being a douchebag to fans? And then linked that article, or I'm, I'm sorry, linked the article about that incident. And my response was, is this a real question? Because <laughs> they go hand in hand, being a heel, being a douchebag. It's 
that's what it is. I mean, they're one and the same. You know, exactly. And I, I was, and this guy got offended because I said, "Is this a real question?" Like, sorry, man. You know, ask a stupid question, get a stupid answer. <laughs> that's you know. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. I I still I I still enjoy WWE to an extent today, but it it's definitely not what it used to be from like back in even as far back as you know the late '90s, early 2000s during the Attitude Era. Right. Because there's no there's no clear cut bad guy anymore who who can be like a true bad guy that everyone hates. Right. You know I mean even cl- even Kevin Owens has his fans. I mean yeah. You know, back back in the back in the day, man, like back in like the late '60s, early '70s, even like the early, mid to or the early to mid '80s, there were there were just villains that were getting like their tires slashed and and they'd, they'd get stabbed walking down to the ring, and you mm-hmm. know people would threaten them with guns and stuff. And now that doesn't even happen anymore. Now well, now people go on Twitter and like tweet their displeasure. Well, I remember uh, Jim Cornette telling stories on his podcast about how like fans would wait for him after the shows yeah. to try and beat the shit out of him. Yep. And even like the the most recent one I can remember other than Owens was that run that Chris Jericho had where he had like fans waiting outside his rental car to to try <laughs> to try and fight him because that was when he was doing that really good feud with Shawn Michaels I think back in oh, like, yeah, 07 yeah, yeah. 08. So that him him and Owens to me were the last like true villains of wrestling. Even though they have their fans, but like actually portraying a full on villain on TV. I've only had people waiting outside my car once, and thankfully nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's good. Yeah. Uh, so growing up watching wrestling, and as you got older, who who are some of your favorites? And like look kind of like looking back on your time as a fan, who who are some of your favorites? Oh man, from back in the day, I was a big Ric Flair guy. Um, I, I I had a different uh, uh, I don't know what the word is different. Um, vi- I guess vision for my career than than most other guys. Like everyone wants to be WWE champion, WF champion, whatever. Wants to like do the main, you know they want to be the main event at WrestleMania. They want to be like the top guy. Like I wanted to work. I mean, I. I obviously if if WWE had ever called me and said hey we'll give you this much money to do this much you know to do this I, I probably would have taken it because it would probably have been more money than I ever made anywhere else plus you know TV exposure or whatever but when I was growing up my goal was to work for uh, actually two companies uh, NWA and ECW but unfortunately ECW closed down while I was still in training so I hadn't yet graduated training yet so I never got a chance to work there although I was um, a lot of ECW guys had a hand in my training, um, but I got to finally work for the NWA at the end of 2012. So, and I know people think like by then NWA was dead, but it very much alive. Um, in fact, I was I was still working for the NWA up until two weeks ago when Billy Corgan bought it and got rid of everybody, um, other than Champion Tim Storm. So, uh, but but anyway, getting back to that, uh, yeah. So I was a big Ric Flair guy because I was a big NWA guy. Um, but I like Flair, Dusty Rhodes, Terry Funk, Magnum TA, like the, the Koloffs. Um, I was a big, uh, Eric Embry guy. Um, actually I used to watch a lot of global too. So I liked like Jeff Gaylord and the Simpsons and, uh, X-Pac when he was a lightning kid and Jerry Lynn was Mr. JL. Um, man, so many, there's so many names I could, I could mention. 
but uh, I, I watched everything. Like I always, I wanted to learn as much as I could, so I watched everything. I haven't heard the name Jerry Lynn in a long time, but him and Rob Van Dam, they used to tear the house down oh, yeah. for the ECW matches. Those yeah. were so, so fun to watch. I actually, um, Ric Flair was at uh, a convention here that we have in town called Pensacon um, earlier okay. earlier this year, and uh, <clears throat> you know, he like he was the one. It was like him, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, and Mick Foley were there, and I had met Mick Foley before because he used to live in this area, but I had never met Flair. And growing up a wrestling fan, you know, like Flair was was and is one of the best ever. Yep. And I've very, very few times in my life been starstruck by people, but like when it was my turn to meet Flair and like when you meet him, like he, he is Ric Flair, like <laughs> how you see him on TV, that, that is him. I've, um, I've never had the chance to meet him. He's one guy I've always wanted to and never had a chance to. He's awesome. And I can't wait for his, uh, ESPN 30 for 30 special to air. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I heard about that. It's going to be really good. But uh, like, as soon as I met him, I was just like. What, what what do I say? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Flair Flair's great. Flair's definitely uh, top five all time for sure. Now, who exactly did you train with when you decided to become a wrestler? Because you said that uh, ECW closed when you were still doing your training. So, like, how, yeah. how how did you get into it? You know, back then because wrestlers talk about like you know just going on the road and learning through territories back in the old days, but this was kind of after that and like NXT and uh, OVW I don't think had started by then. OVW might have just been starting, but how, how did you get into like get into training? Um, actually, I uh, I knew w once I decided I wanted to do this, I, I didn't even, like, I didn't know what indie wrestling was. I didn't even know it existed. I just thought you somehow went to a, uh, you know, went to an event and, and somebody from WWF just saw you in the crowd and thought you were big. I, you know, I didn't know what the hell to do. Uh, I thought you just kind of got in there at a, like a carnival, like the old days and just got beat up. But, uh, I, um, I, I was dating a, a chick that worked for, um, uh, I don't even remember the name of the company, but they made uh, they made hats and T-shirts, and um, like embroider you know like embroidery basically. They did embroidered stuff, uh, and the, and there was a tag team that came in that uh, needed hats made or wanted hats made for for their for their their team you know their tag team gimmick, and uh, she asked like what are these for? What does this mean? I don't remember what the name was. It was some wacky name, and she's like what what kind of name is this? Like what is this for? And the guy's like oh we're we're uh we're indie pro wrestlers like this is our tag team name and and you know it's whatever and uh she's like okay uh, i need your phone number now now not to toot my own horn but this was a tall blonde chick who was not terrible looking so you know for her for her to tell the guy i need your phone number she had no problem getting it so she called me immediately and she's like oh this guy came in his name is mike He's a, he's a wrestler, and uh, you know I, I told him that my boyfriend was interested in blah blah. So anyway, we, we I exchanged phone numbers with this dude. Um, I called him and said, "Hey, this is Joe. I'm you know the the embroidery chick's boyfriend," and blah blah blah. So we started talking and told him where I lived. And uh, at uh, I I was I'm from Atlantic City originally, but I moved to Bergen County. My my family moved to Bergen County when I was I don't know one or two uh, or three, so North Jersey. So I told him where I was. He's like, oh, you know, this guy happened to live like 25, 30 minutes away. So I, he told me about a school uh, camp, IWF, 
which coincidentally is now is in the town that I now live in, uh, or was they're they're uh, they're gone now, but uh, they're in the town that I live in now. And I went down there and met the trainer Kevin Knight, talked. He told me all about the program and and the schedule and, um, you know what was expected of students and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I went down there for six weeks just to observe because like you know he he had a deal where you can come down for up to six weeks and watch. Uh, each class because there were different classes and different days like you know some were promo classes some were uh, you know actual moves or practice matches or whatever um, there was some like character development stuff uh, there was ring crew stuff because everyone does ring crew uh, so you know there was referee classes there was manager classes stuff like that so I would I went down for six Sundays in a row just to see what I thought and like by the third or fourth I knew I was in mm-hmm. and uh, or I knew I was gonna do it and uh, so I started uh, December nineteenth, nineteen ninety nine. Nice, nice. Yeah. That's that's really cool. That's really cool. Who were who'd you have your first match against? Oh God, uh, or that you can remember? Oh, I, I remember. I just choose. I, I I just try not to. Oh, uh, this it was me and this kid J T Blaze. Um, we, we were both awful. Uh, some people say I was awful my entire career, but whatever. <laughs> But uh, yeah, we were terrible. I mean, it's 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 not like if I if I ever put that match on YouTube, YouTube would just shut down. Like, you know, we we don't want this kind of crap on here. They would just shut down, or they'd they'd suspend my account. Um, but I didn't know what I was doing. We, we had we had trained for I think four months before we had our first match. Uh, actually, it may it may have been six months before we had our first match. So, you know, there wasn't really a lot that I knew. We we knew a lot. We knew like individual moves and stuff, um, but but we hadn't. I, I hadn't obviously put a match together before, so I didn't know a lot of the psychology and when to do things and why. Um, so it was terrible. But <laughs> it was like a six-minute uh, not classic between myself and JT Blaze. Gotcha. So I don't even think uh, I don't even think he continued wrestling after we we finished training. Oh really? Yeah, I don't. I haven't heard his name since. Wow. Now, did you, being in the wrestling business, did you learn, like, any of the other aspects of it besides just wrestling? Because, you know, there's commentary, there's managing. Did you learn any of that stuff, too? Oh, yeah. Um, we we did, a, we did a lot of managing stuff. We did a lot of refereeing stuff, um, training. We did a lot of, uh, um, like, just, I mean, as far as wrestling itself, like, we did a lot of, like, timing drills. Like, there was... Because, I mean, you know, anybody can learn how to, like, for example, anyone can learn how to execute a suplex, but knowing how to time, you know, your bump and knowing how to time when to do it and where in the match, like, that's a lot, almost a lot more important than than the moves itself or the moves themselves. So we did a lot of, like, timing drills and stuff like that, too. But uh, I, I, I am, you know, through that, through the initial training course, I am trained fully trained as a referee as well as a manager. Although I haven't done, I've done the manager thing. Um, I've never done the referee thing on a show. I actually got a, uh, here's a funny little quick story for you. Um, I actually got a phone call, uh, I don't know, 2005, maybe 2006, uh, asking why I no-showed an event once. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And the, this guy on the other end of the phone, who I am assuming was the promoter, said that apparently I agreed to referee for him the night before 
somewhere in Pennsylvania, and I no-showed, and I, I don't even remember ever making, uh, accepting this booking. So, so for as far as actual shows, I've never actually refed, but uh, we did do all that training there. But I think it's good that you know you learned so many different aspects of it because I've said you know whether it's like wrestling or you know film or TV production, it's good to learn all aspects of it because it. It, you have it improves your skill set and it gives you an appreciation for what the other person is doing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you never know. You know, I could I could go to a show and maybe there's no room for wrestlers on it. Maybe everything's everyone's there, but maybe a referee doesn't show up. You know, and they need somebody. Yeah. So you know, so they could they could call me in, like you know, hey, throw on a ref shirt or you know, go grab a ref shirt and sneakers, and we need we need a ref. You know, so it's it's like you said. I mean, it's always good to know every know every aspect. Yeah. Do you still work in the wrestling business currently in any way? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I stopped I stopped the in ring wrestling in uh, 2015. Um, June of 2015 was my last match, and I I well, I don't want to say I moved on to managing because I was already doing managing before that. But I did uh, I did a little bit of managing with some guys. I did a lot of commentary, which is like I, I do color commentary, which is like not play by play, and it's like the most fun stuff to do because there's no script. There's like you know you just say whatever you want, <laughs> and it's just a lot of fun. But I've done that. I've done promoting. Uh, I've done a little bit of talent scouting where like I'll go to other shows and you know kind of keep an eye on on what's who who you know up and comers that are that are doing good uh myself and uh three or four other guys run a promotion in uh Scranton Pennsylvania called Grand Slam Wrestling and um so that's kind of what I'm what I'm doing now is basically I I basically only work for them there's a couple of other companies that I've I've gone to and done stuff behind the scenes but uh I'm full time with GSW um and that's basically where I do most of my work now like I said promoting or doing some commentary commentary is like again that's like one of the most fun things to do yeah no that's something that you know it's key to wrestling is the the commentary if you're watching it on tv because if you have some guy who's you know really bland or not into what's going on you know they're they're selling the viewer what's going on so if they're not any good then chances are you're not going to be that interested in it Correct. You know, that was that was to me during the Attitude Era when you had Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler as the commentary team. They were so good at what they did as, as a team. They were both oh, yeah. great. Absolutely. They were, they were they, very, they, very good. That was one of the best teams, one of the best commentary teams was JR and Jerry Lawler, I think. Yeah. I, I Unfortunately, I didn't watch at the time that Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon commentated, but I, I've heard... I've heard them, but I don't have that sentimental value of growing up watching them. I, I think they're great, but you know, my my broadcasting duo was Jr. and and Lawler. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who would have been uh, if you had the chance to pick one dream opponent to wrestle? Who would it be? Oh my God, um, geez, how do you answer that? <laughs> <laughs> um, man. The first thing that comes to mind is Kurt Angle, but uh, I, there's no way I can keep up with him. <laughs> um, oh, X-Pac. 
Actually, X-Pac? there's like four names that come to mind. Like, I'm thinking Kurt Angle, X Pac, Stevie Richards, and uh, uh, three names. Sorry, X Pac, Stevie Richards, or Kurt Angle. Um, I feel like there was a fourth, and I don't remember who it was. No, those are those are three good ones. It, yeah. it was it was actually I just watched because I just got back from vacation today. I finally watched the Kurt Angle wrestling at the TLC show. It was kind of surreal to see in a way. Like I know oh, he from from the other night. Yeah, I haven't even seen it yet. I it, have it on. Obviously, it's on the network, but I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, it was it was really surreal. Like whenever I, I won't give away really what happens, but there are things that happen that took me back to you know being a teenager watching the Attitude Era again. It was yeah, really I'm cool. Gonna, I'm gonna have to watch it once we're done here. I'll probably throw it on. I've I've only seen like the first hour of the pay per view. I didn't see a lot of it. Yeah, I've only watched the the last match. I haven't gone back and watched the beginning yet. Uh, all time favorite wrestling storyline. Oh man, um, I think Hogan Macho Man in '89 or '88 to '89 because uh, because WrestleMania Five is my favorite WrestleMania, and uh, that storyline they built for a whole year before they ever touched each other. Like the, you know, they did the the, the split ups. Yeah. And then they did the break, and then the Elizabeth thing, and then when, at, at Mania 5, she wasn't in anyone's corner. She was neutral, and then they threw her out, and blah, blah, blah. So I got to say that, because that was like, you don't get that anymore. Like, like they gave us a one-year build for The Rock and John Cena, but it just wasn't the same. Especially because, like, that was a once-in-a-lifetime match that happened two years in a row. Yeah. You know? So it, it, apparently it was not, not once-in-a-lifetime, but it was twice in two years. Yeah. But... I mean, not the Hogan, not that uh, Hogan and Savage didn't happen, you know, prior to that and after that, but just for that specific match, I mean, that build was a year long, and I thought it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's WrestleMania five. I don't think gets. It's not one that you know. If I'm having a conversation about wrestling with somebody, it's not one that normally comes up. But I, I like that choice. But uh, that the build yeah, up to that like... was really good. That's uh, that's my favorite. I, I, I don't know what it. Well, I don't know what it is about that WrestleMania that makes it my favorite. Other than it was in Jersey, but I mean, so was Mania Four, and that's not my favorite. You know. Yeah. But uh, they're. I mean, they're both from my hometown of Atlantic City. But I don't know what it is. Something about Mania Five. I just. I love that. I think that's the only WrestleMania where I actually. Uh, I actually like and enjoy every single match, even like the undercard matches that nobody cared about, like. Hercules versus Haku, or like Dino Bravo against Ronnie Garvin, or Terry T- or uh, Red Rooster against uh, Brooklyn Brawler. Like nobody, or I'm, I'm sorry, not Brooklyn Brawler. Uh, Red Rooster against Bobby Heenan. Like nobody really cared about any of those matches. And like you know, after that, Brooklyn Bra- Brooklyn Brawler went on to become just a job guy and enhancement talent. And and you know, the Rooster like kind of fizzled out after a while. Like. Nobody cared about any of those four matches I just mentioned, but I love all of them. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I can't explain why that WrestleMania is my favorite. It just is. I don't know. No, that's that. That's all good. And before we continue this fantastic conversation with Joey Image, I have to remind you that for you, the listeners of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download and 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. And as I've mentioned over the last couple of episodes, I'm starting to get back into that Star Wars kit, getting ready for The Last Jedi, which comes out in theaters next month. A recent book that I downloaded that I'm actually finding very interesting is called The Legends of Luke Skywalker. It's not a very long book. I think it's like six and a half hours long. 
it has a collection of stories that may or may not be true featuring Luke Skywalker. So if you're a Luke fan, definitely check that out. They also have Star Wars Bloodline, Leia, Thrawn, a ton of Star Wars books. They also have wrestling autobiographies. They have uh, gaming books. If you're a fan of Halo, Gears of War, they've got those books as well. Fiction, nonfiction, mystery, romance, literally any genre you can think of. Audible has. And to check those out, just go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. Kind of transitioning into uh, some of your other activities you do, you also uh, are a podcaster. Yeah. Uh, what what inspired you to do a podcast? Um, man, I, I, started, uh, I started doing... It was called Internet Radio at the time. In 2004, there was a uh, a show in Baltimore, Maryland called, um, I think it was called Monster Mark Wrestling. Um, it was I don't even know what you know website or whatever it was on. I don't even remember. But uh, it was um, a friend of mine. His name is Lance Beasley, and him and Todd and I don't remember Todd's last name and the um, engineer behind everything or the producer was dave i don't remember his last name either but i know it was all done out of dave's this this guy dave had a, a studio built in his garage <clears throat> so like one we would do the show every i think it was wednesday but once a month like the second or third wednesday of the month i would drive down to baltimore which is a four-hour drive and just do the show live and then drive back home and uh and i like always had so much fun like i, I had heard that show before I was a part of it. And I always thought like, man, this is kind of fun. Like, you know, I could do this. Like I could, th th that's all I do is, you know, talk about wrestling anyway. I might as well do it and actually let people hear me about, hear me talk about it. Uh, so I asked that Lance dude, I'm like, Hey, you ever think, you think maybe we can ever like do something together? And he's like, that would be awesome. So I went down there a few times and did the show with him. And you know, when, when I was, when I was not there live, I would do it over the phone and, and it just, it became, like second nature almost like like i said i mean i always talked about wrestling anyway with my friends or my buddies or whatever other wrestlers and stuff so it was almost like a natural transition into still doing that just with a microphone in front of me and the cool thing about podcasting is that you know really anybody can do it because all you really need is a usb microphone and a computer but as the years have gone on, because you know, I like you. I remember when podcasting started back in in the early two thousands, and seeing yeah. you know all these different celebrities now doing podcasting, like Adam Carolla, Mark Maron, and even wrestlers like Chris Jericho and Jim Ross. It didn't even. I mean, it wasn't even called podcasting back then. That word didn't yeah. even exist. Yeah, I don't even know how that word even like came into existence. I, I, well, I think because they were, it was all everything was uh, was handled through iTunes, so it was a broadcast you listen to on your iPod, mm -hmm. so podcast, that's, that's the only way I could think of. No, I actually didn't even think of that. That makes total sense. Yeah, because back then there were no, you know, there wasn't iPhones or iPads, it was all just iPods. So I'm assuming iPod broadcast was podcast. But the cool thing about podcasting is that it's, I tell people, you know, it's, it's kind of like the Netflix of talk radio, because you can... You, know, you can download an episode, put your earbuds in, and listen to it while you're cooking dinner or you're yep. doing laundry, doing household chores, driving to work, from work, and you can stop it whenever you want and then just pick up 
right where you left off? Because like the old you know radio shows, if you didn't hear it, then oh, yeah. you were you were yeah. SOL. Yeah. So that that's always been the cool thing about podcasting to me. So it's it's cool that you do it. What's the name of your show? Uh, well, the show I'm doing now, I have my own. It's just called That Image Guy. Um, I used to do another. Sh- well, uh, I don't know. I don't know what, what even what you call it, but there's like a transition period going on with. I had another show called Grumpy Cast, where me and my friend Daryl from Seattle would just complain about things that bother us. <laughs> and and it, I mean, pe- people like liked that show. It was just us bitching about like our lives or something that we saw on TV or something that happened at work that day that annoyed us or whatever. Um, and like, I didn't realize how many people actually liked it until we stopped doing it. And, and so now we're in kind of a transition period. We're, we're trying to come up with a different concept to do that, to, to do other than that. Um, but as far as uh, my own thing, I, I do, uh, I, I haven't actually done an episode since like April. So I'm very, very, very overdue. But mine is just that image guy. It's basically just a one-man show, and it's just like what's on my mind at the time. I haven't done one in so long because I, I haven't really had anything to say. But uh, I shouldn't say – well, I haven't had anything important to say, put it that way. Right. Like n- nothing that was longer than like a Facebook post, That nothing that warranted like an actual episode. But I, I think I'm what I might start doing is just taking some stuff that I think is like face post face, – oh, Jesus – Facebook post worthy and maybe just doing like 15 or 20 minute episodes. Like I used to try to do like an hour a week and like there was, there were times where I'm like at 30 minutes. I'm like, I just don't have another 30 minutes to, of anything to talk about. So I may end up just trying to cut it down to like 15, 20, like small bite sized pieces I can listen to on my commute or, you know, like, like a lunch break or something like that, where it's not something I have to pause and come back to later. I can just get all of it out in one shot. And you know, and be on with it, be done with it. But um, yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's another story for another day. Right, right. In addition to podcasting, uh, you also are a gamer because we, my, Jason and I, had you on uh, Nerd Cave Retro yeah. not too long ago. So I did want to ask because I didn't ask you this when you were on our show, but what are some of your all-time favorite like retro games? Oh man, um, Rygar is like. I, I prefer the NES version over the arcade version, but I love Rygar. Like I, I replay that NES Rygar version so much. I, I'm not I, the arcade one's too hard. <laughs> um, what else? I love that. I love like Contra. Uh, I'm a big Mega Man fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have a big decal of Mega Man on the back of my car. Um, God, what else is there? <laughs> I mean, obviously everyone loves Super Mario, like all of them. Uh, well, I shouldn't say all of them, most of them. I, I don't have, uh, the last Mario game that I got was like Super Mario Wii. Mm-hmm. Um, I have nothing after that. I mean, I have Mario Run on my phone, which I think is super fun. Um, but like, I don't have a Switch, so I'll, I'll never get like the Super Mario Odyssey game or whatever. Um, but like, as far as retro, like, th- those are really the big, um, the big, I don't even know what the word is, the big series that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Rygar, the Contra games, like Contra 1, Super C, uh, Contra Force was one of them. Um, even actually the original Metal Gear I thought was awesome. Before everything was Metal Gear Solid, like mm-hmm. the original on NES was cool. Even the, even the whole Zelda series is good. I haven't played uh, anything Zelda um, up, up to like N64. I just never, I have N64, just never got into the Zelda games for it. But, uh, but anything Zelda is really good too. 
Uh, that's my all-time favorite game series, is Zelda. Zelda? I, mm-hmm. That was my my first introduction to any type of video games was playing... Because I never owned an original NES. My aunt had one. So I would play Mario, Duck Hunt, and Zelda at her right. house while I waited for my parents to get off work. But Zelda was always the one that really drew me in and so been hooked do, ever since. Do you have a Switch or no? Yes. So you have Breath of the Wild, obviously, because it came with it. Mm-hmm. So how is it? Because I've never, I've never played, a, I've never played Switch. I know Breath of the Wild is on like Wii U, and my nephew's got a Wii U, but he doesn't care about Zelda. But um, uh, I mean, I've, I've watched like YouTube videos, but I mean, I, I, you know, you're someone that's actually played it. So honestly, after playing through, you know, I haven't done every single thing you can do in the game, but I, I've done a good bit of it. Right. It, it's Honestly, out of all the Zelda games that have been made, I would put it in my top three. It's wow. really, really, really good. It's completely different than any other type of Zelda game. Have you ever played uh, like Skyrim or any of the Elder Scrolls games? Uh, I'm afraid to touch Skyrim because I play WoW now, and uh, <laughs> and I ha- I have I bought the original Skyrim when it came out, and then when they did like the upgraded graphics engine version, like the end of last year, I got the update free because I bought it through Steam originally, so they gave me the update for free. But like I haven't even started yet because I still play. I've been playing WoW since before it came out. Like I played vanilla beta in 2003 wow and uh so i'm like man and i'm still playing it so i'm like man if skyrim is anything like this i'm never gonna stop playing it so i'm like afraid to to try it and i feel the same way about elder scrolls online like Mm -hmm. i I have i got that for ps4 because i i had never played obviously there haven't been many mmorpgs for for console so i wanted to get that on ps4 to see what it was like and i haven't even opened it yet because same reason like I, I don't. I just don't have time to get hooked into something else. Like I, I have. I'm playing Destiny two now, and I'm like, I just don't have, I don't have the time for this. Yeah, I, I'm the exact same way. I have to keep my my gaming experiences limited because I just get sucked in. Like I'm gonna get Mario Odyssey when it comes out because right. I, I love those games and it's been getting incredible reviews. Like it's got I think no less than a nine point five from any of the sites oh, wow. that I've read. I mean, if it's anything like Mario 64, it'll be it'll be really really good. But no, yeah. Ze- Zelda. If you took elements from a Skyrim or an open world RPG, and you just set it in the Zelda universe, that's what Breath of the Wild is. Oh, that's cool. You I, you literally man. like a lot of the Zelda games follow like a certain formula. Like you have to go through the dungeons in a certain order. Yeah, or it, right. It, it kind of walks you through the game. Literally, with this game, you wake up in a chamber. You get this little slate that has a map on it. You climb out of the chamber, and you just kind of have to go. You, and <laughs> wow. you and you get you start out with no armor, no weapons, nothing. You have to pick up like a stick, and you have to kill an enemy with it. Then take his sword, kill another enemy, take his bow and arrow. And the the items break after a certain amount of time. The only thing that doesn't break is the master sword. Right. So, but you you get that you know, much, much later. So you have to constantly find new weapons, upgrade weapons. It's really good. It's really good. I I would put, if I had to list like my top three, I would probably say Ocarina of Time is one. Two would be either Link to the Past or Breath of the Wild. And then three would be the other. I, 
I I never had I haven't just haven't had any interest in the Switch, but every video or commercial I see for Breath of the Wild looks so. I mean, I, I don't even care if I don't like it. It just looks beautiful. Like, it just looks great. It looks great, man. It, it does. It is. It's a really really good game. And you know, I haven't played the Switch a ton, but I know that they've been selling well, and yeah. they've and they've been well reviewed by people who have one. So. I'm hoping that Nintendo is finally turning the the corner, if you will, because they've been down for a long time. Yeah, there's there's a Target and a Walmart right by, uh, like within within like 15 minutes of my house that always they always seem to have at least one Switch in stock. So uh, maybe one day I might grab one. Yeah, it's when Mario Odyssey comes out. I, I tell a lot of people. If you don't have a Switch yet, wait until that game comes out, because then you can get that. You can get Mario Kart. Um, you can get Zelda Breath of the Wild. And th- those three games, honestly, will will take up a good chunk of your time, especially Zelda, because you can put so, so many hours into it. Breath of the Wild comes with every every system, right? There's not, like, one bundle that doesn't have it or something? Um, there is a bundle with just the console itself. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's a Breath of the Wild bundle, and there will be a Mario Odyssey bundle as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I would I would get the Breath of the Wild one. I mean, that was, I mean, I know that that came out launch day, but that was the, really the only thing I was interested in. Yeah, that was kind of the the one game that everybody wanted for it. And then I think, uh, I don't think the special edition of Skyrim has come out yet for the Switch. I think that comes out in like a couple of weeks. Right. Which is. Initially, I was like, "Well, why aren't you releasing this, you know, closer to launch? Because it's it's a fairly older game." But then I was like, "Well, they're releasing Zelda with it, and that's a similar game, so they wouldn't want to take away from Zelda." Which makes yeah, sense. Yeah, of course. Right, right. Is, does Switch do 4K or no? I don't think so. Man, like, it's sometimes it's hard to tell. <laughs> that was Breath of the Wild looks so good. Like I, I just I love the graphics and and the. The you know the scenery and the fields and stuff it just it looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really good game. If you anyone who wants a Switch, that's the first game that I recommend just because it's a great game and it's one that you can sink a lot of time into. Right. But uh, closing out, uh, do you have uh, any social media you like to plug? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Twitter dot com slash Joey Image. Uh, Facebook.com slash Real Joey Image, and uh, probably probably the most important because of my recent surgery is ProWrestlingTees.com slash Joey Image. I've got thirty nine thousand dollars in uh, medical bills, so go buy a shirt, people. They're only twenty bucks. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> or buy, well, buy more than one if you want, but definitely buy at least one. Yeah, I'm actually looking <laughs> at your your site now. There's some really cool designs on it, so. Everybody definitely check that out, and I'll I'll put links in the episode description as well. Perfect, thank you. Well, Joey, thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time to do this. I know I've I've been looking forward to this for a while, so thank you, yeah, thank I, you very much. I know we we tried to set something up months ago, and I I just forgot to get back to you about it, and uh, <laughs> I was no, I, I did I did Pop Culture Palette like two weeks ago, and Jason was like, Hey, did you ever hook up with Derek? I'm like, Oh, now that you bring it up, I completely forgot. Well, it it was on my end too because I I had a really hectic summer, so uh, it's it's all good. But you know what? Yeah, it, I'm glad it, we got the hook up though. Yeah, absolutely. We'll definitely have to have you back on in the future. Yeah, absolutely, man. Anytime. All right, thanks, Joey. Excellent, thank you, man.
My thanks again to Joey Image for taking the time to have that amazing conversation. Always love talking pro wrestling, podcasting, retro gaming. Also, be sure to check him out on social media, as well as his appearances on both the Pop Culture Palette and Nerd Cave Retro Podcast. And definitely look forward to having Joey on sometime again in the near future. Now, I mentioned at the top of the show that I had some announcements that I wanted to make. One of them has to do with the recent change from weekly to bi-weekly. I had mentioned that I did that because of, you know, time and consistency with being able to book guests and whatnot. That's not going to change as of right now. I'm hoping that maybe it will in the new year if I can get some consistency going. But I did want to talk about a cool change that is coming to the show. Not necessarily a change, I should say, but a new layer to the Derek Diamond experience. Over a year ago, I started doing the roundtables. And it really all started because me and my friends Josh and Bill were talking about Cheers at work one night. And I'm like, well, why don't we just sit down and we'll record our conversation? Because people love talking about various subjects. And it's really like you're in a room with somebody talking about this subject that you may or may not love. Well, I'm going to add to that. With the roundtables from now on, they're going to all be on Facebook Live. I've loved doing the AMAs, I love the interaction with people, and I think with the roundtables it will be even better, especially with one that we're going to do next week. Uh, It's one that could be a little controversial maybe, but I actually think it's going to be a really fun topic. We're calling it the Haters Club Roundtable. Basically, myself and my five other guests with me will each be bringing stuff to the roundtable, like pet peeves things they just can't stand, and we're just going to talk about it. And I can't wait to see the audience interaction. I hope it's going to be fantastic. Um, I don't know how it's going to go, but I'm very excited about it. And, you know, some other roundtables we have coming up, we're going to do favorite childhood films. I'm sure we'll do another Star Wars one next month with The Last Jedi coming out. It's going to be fun. I'm really, really excited to implement the Facebook Live and get the fans, viewers, listeners involved with the show itself. So stay tuned to social media to find out uh, when these will air. Um, I know the Haters Club will air uh, this upcoming Tuesday, November 7th. We haven't set an exact time yet, so again, stay tuned to social media to find out exactly when that will be. And to do that, you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for at D Diamond Podcast. And of course, if you want to check out past episodes of the show, go to iTunes, Stitcher, all podcasting platforms. Just search for the Derek Diamond Experience. But I do believe that does it for today's show. Thanks again to Joey Image. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next time. Listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.